This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. <laughs> Arno Carstens, thank you for joining me in the trenches. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> I think I'm doing better than you. <laughs> we we are running late because of, of what? Please tell me the story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had nippers on the beach with the children, with my child. And then I came home and the, I had a dog that... Um, I've got a new, I went on tour when I came back, my wife and my son bought a dog. I'm normally a Jack Russell's guy because it's got small poo, but they bought it. <laughs> a, a, what is it called? Uh, anyway, it's a big dog. It's Labrador. Labrador. Labrador poo everywhere. <laughs> and it stinks worse than human shite. It's terrible. So I had to clean it now. And I think I actually smell like it. I don't know if it's sunblock or shit. But it's it's awkward. Yeah, that's that's probably the best excuse for being late ever. <laughs> but your story is amazing. Yes. Tell, tell so, me that again. So so we've got we've got this little round robot vacuum cleaner thing. It goes into a docking station then every morning on its own it it reverses and drives around the house and vacuums <laughs> and then yeah. it just it decided one morning because we let our dog sleep inside at night and we've also got big dogs and um <laughs> they decided the one dog decided it also wanted to have a massive turd <laughs> and uh this little vacuum cleaner decided nice wet one yeah big soft wet one and the vacuum cleaner decided to drive over it and then paint the entire house with with this little wheels and brushes. <laughs> Man, <laughs> so, That's... no, but it gets it gets funnier. <laughs> I slipped in it. Oh! <laughs> you know, I, I think as an artist, I feel things. So I can imagine. <laughs> um so i've got to tell you Ono, um i've been wanting to ask you this question for about 20 years um and i'm gonna ask it to you now were you ever able to remove the bubble gum on your boots that day um i think it's uh <laughs> it, it, it just personifies the line of the constant uh, rolling of the the rock up the hill vibes you know and i do think south africans likes a drama I but think i so can't too. say that the, the you know i can't say that it includes dark shit, but <laughs> yeah um so it, okay it's just it, it's just bubblegum in my boots every day you know a little bit <laughs> so a few weeks ago uh my wife and i were in neisner and it just so happened that we saw that you were playing the band well, uh, springboard new girls was was playing and so we got tickets and I, I think it was the first time that i've seen the band play probably in about 20 years 
And I absolutely loved it so much that I said to my wife right then, I got to get on on to my show. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think we're enjoying it a bit more these days. Me and Theo, yes, so some of the original members of this, so mm. Adrian Brandt, for instance, the trumpet player, he lives in San, Fran San Diego or San Francisco. I think San Francisco. Isn't that the same place? A whale's vagina? Not the same. <laughs> <laughs> right anyway <laughs> so he's over there and so we've got a new guy into standing you know like to uh so david uh watkins mm. is there any other musician who can play trumpet and keyboard at the same time like adrian did and uh david also plays for me in my solo capacity so he has joined us and then also the bassist, the original bassist, lives in the uk so it's impossible to fly the people around you know what I mean? So mm. we got these guys yeah. in now and it's fantastic. They're younger than us and it's a new energy in the band and it's fantastic. You know, the original, so me and Theo and Fra uh, Francho, the drummer is still there. So it's, it's a, um, and now that we're older, nobody drinks anymore. So it's just much more fun to be able to jump around with no hangovers and um, just enjoy the music and what it was all about in the beginning in any way. For me, what's interesting is that I kind of went along that road with you from the 90s. I, I remember you, you started, I think it was with the band in 94, more or less. Um, and I was just at the end of high school. And I, I remember going to some of the rock festivals and I, for whatever reason, became team Nude Girls. I know there was this rivalry between you and Just Ginger. Yes, yeah, so it was it was actually not a rivalry between the band so much. It was just uh, a feeling uh, it, between a bit more heavier mm. and the more commercial sound. Now, just ginger because now today we are, or we've been our friends for twenty years or longer, twenty five, six years, whatever. So, but um, and now we're all very good friends. Like I just worked with Brendan last week. Uh, the drummer from Justin Jenner. I see Art Matthews a lot. In fact, me and Art do some uh, shows together as well now. But back in the day, I think a lot of us were really jealous of Justin Jenner because um, they sold like an excess of 60,000 albums. Um, and they, um, you know, I was, we were having a conversation. They used to fill three arts, I think, and stuff like that. So most of the other bands like Sugar Drive and Batray Nierge, uh, although uh, we used to play a lot with Batrenjeche, it was like our sister band because they were doing uh, industrial electronica, and we were doing quite a heavy rock. So it was the perfect combination um, for after us. Whenever we end, then you put on Batrenjeche, and the the, all, yeah. the the show still goes up. You know what I mean? So it was absolutely fantastic pairing. But um, these days, especially because. My solo stuff is much mellower. I love mm. playing uh, shows with Art, and we, uh, I get to do some of his beautiful songs with him. So it's it's a lovely thing. I'm just reminiscing now. While I mean, you mentioned Batranjeh, I completely forgot about them. I loved watching all those all those bands. Uh, there was Nine and Plum. Nine, Who? yes, and Plum, mm. Plum. Okay, so Who? you know what? When the Springbok Nichols broke up, I um, I started a band, and I took my favorite musicians from all the other bands to play with me so i had warren and kevin leisha from plum then I had jerome from nine on the drums i had brendan jury from urban creep 
and then I had Albert Frost from Albert Frost. Um, so that was a, a, a incredible band and a whole bunch of uh, great camaraderie. And here we go, all of the old bands that were kind of then gone in a way. But so it was nice to have these guys together again. And we're all still big friends. We've got a WhatsApp group and um, we're just planning a get together this year. But it's uh, now they're all kind of live together and the guys look fantastic. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's gone through it and those who made it, made it and is now super healthy and awesome. Mm. And then, of course, there was a couple of casualties around uh, along the way. I think, um, look, there's obviously a wild madness that is that is forever gone. And it will yesterday will never be repeated. Um, but in a way, I think um, because of in years, because of technology and stuff, uh, I'm probably a better singer today. Um, but maybe we maybe you know that we all older so it's not as fast as what it used to be but jesus is quite fast in fact sometimes i think maybe too fast but um it's a great energy man and it's for me like a workout a jumping around you know what i toured with simple minds i did a couple of shows with them and what and i uh, i was inspired by uh, and also open for rolling stones and checking out mick jagger and then um jim kerr from um simple minds i mean they play constantly well especially uh, uh simple minds you know, they play constantly and uh, the one show jim kerr did with one of those plastic suits those sweet suits i mean it's crazy and uh, <laughs> so they're so fit so it, it 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 feels and from that you get a vibe it's a celebration if you can still do this uh, at the mm -hmm. age of 50 mm -hmm. and upwards it becomes your own joy kind of thing and and with those people that enjoy it with you um i've also played with other people that where you can just hear the voices are starting to go and it becomes a little mm. bit sad mm. so you never know you know um i know like we've had people in the audience that come to us and then they go yeah round of yoga master round of tequilas come on Remember last time it was at the Shepherd's Bush Empire where we were drinking and like, wow. And then you kind of disappoint them. You see the dream, uh, the bubble. <laughs> going, I don't drink anymore. It is like, I can see the sadness. <laughs> in their but the thing is now we, we just enjoy um, doing the music and uh, rock and roll in its purest form. And at the end of the day, you, the, you walk away and you say, I did my best. You know, you gave your all on stage. And that should be enough. Then you don't have any of this weird shit where sometimes you get so drunk, you're drunker than the audience. You mm. think it's rock and roll, but it's actually probably a crap show. And the next day you wake up and you think back and you go, oh, wasn't that good? So in a way, I'm glad those yeah. days are over. And now you, you give an earnest uh, honest show and you do your best and it's fantastic. I remember seeing that with Volkov Blisikar. Um, I mean, I th they would end up being drunker than the audience. And I hope, I hope that uh, Francois and those guys have, have matured a bit since. I mean, we are talking years ago. I think Francois now stopped drinking for 10 years or something. Mm. So he's like super parat. I mean, he doesn't smoke. He doesn't do anything. That guy's next step is angeldom. I loved the South African rock scene in the... 90s and the early 2000s it died along along with barney simon i don't know what happened the whole thing just went into the toilet but just take me a little bit 
further back. How did you get into the music scene? Um, because I was the youngest of four brothers, um, I was confronted by going with going through all of their teenage years. And um, I was a lot lamiki, so I was seeing it from a distance. So basically, I had three brothers and the uh, uh, three periods of going through their musical experiences. Um, and that consisted out of ACDC, Led Zeppelin, and then the new wave, Depeche Mode, Tears for Fe I got into Tears for Fears through Depeche Mode. And um, there was a the Bob Marley phase. There was the, the Doors. You know, there was all these things. So um, then my coming of age with I had these two buddies and because we couldn't pick up Radio 5 and stuff like that in Booster where I grew up we used to import tapes and we used to have zines like an NME zine in there you will check out new bands you read about them and you'll go oh that sounds interesting if they sound like Kaya Gugu or whatever and then you order those tapes and it's uh, it was fantastic and you know you used to sit with your tape recorder and if the radio plays um, and there's so there was a much more uh, connection between radio and the listener. There was, mm. and um, so that got, got me into music. And, and I always thought the music they play on the radio was pretty crap. Mm. You know, the good stuff, you had to go look for it, which makes it a, a personal adventure as well. So, and music is a, is a weird phenomenon because it touches you, if it touches you, if you understand it, if you, if you get it, it touches you in uh, emotional on an emotional level that transcends time and space, distance, and can invoke incredible euphoria, an incredible uh, sense of uh, longing and, and, a, and a sense of heartache. It's all these things in one, which is an amazing thing, and it's it's for free, you know, in a certain way. Um, unfortunately, the music has changed and everything is great. In a way, I can say I live in a paradise because now I get music for free and I make my own playlists every two weeks with all new music. It's all for free. That's fantastic. But it's also a double-edged sword, but it's killing the music industry. I mean, I have last year for the first time, I, th I just thought I'm not going to record an album because it's not worth it anymore to spend 120,000 Rand and you make 300 Rand back. It's crazy. There's no other job in the world where you uh, create something and you sell it for 5%. Why would you do that? So, um, I mean, this year, but the whole model is changing and it's uh, challenging us to think outside the box and create music, the thing we love, in a different format. So I've been doing that, but that's a different story. And that's very interesting as well. What, what happened, though? Uh, was it the advent of iTunes? Yes, basically technology came that uh, a meeting with record companies, record companies, they say to the record companies, you either do it or you don't, because we'll do it without you. And then they made some fucking deal with these guys. It was so terrible for the artists. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but there is this, this thing that, that Niall Rogers said, and he said, the thing is, they it's a 50% deal where the record company takes 50%, but that is for a sale when we used to sell CDs and that was posting it away and the handling and you, that makes sense. Now there's nothing like it, yet they still take the money. And the people aren't 
buying the songs from us. They are hiring it from us. And if that is the deal, then they're not supposed to get the 50%. All the money should come to the artists. So we're getting screwed. And I can't believe that there's not a, that in this, all this time, there's not a, a lawyer that went, hey, hang on. This is a massive case. And there must be a way in law. This cannot be, I can't understand how this can actually happen. It doesn't make sense. It's just not fair. I mean, mm. I remember when Metallica, I remember when Metallica went off to Napster. Yeah, I think I was one of the guys who went, ah, a little bit of a, a wet sock. But little did I know that it will totally destroy the whole situation. You know, the, of course, these people is making money, but that's the top tier. It's, mm. it's like so small. So they're killing the young uh, um, for, I mean, we are basically post collector, uh, post stamp collectors now. There's no reason to actually. But there's a different thing now. Now you've got to think outside the box. So what I did last a month ago, I've got a, a version of a song that came out on an album called Broken. I've got a live version of it. I made a video for it. And I've got the song. I don't like live songs that much, but it is a great recording. But I didn't want to put it out on Apple and Spotify and wherever again. So what I did is I sold the video as an NFT. And I made more money out of the video so I can record a new song that whatever I would have done out of streaming. And I gave away 500 songs as NFTs. Now people are selling the NFTs and I'm making secondary money through it. Fuck you. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> That's it. I did it. So years away that we as artists can take back because I thought it was so stupid that a simple NFT can have more value than a song that I spent 30,000 Rand on recording. So I thought, well, if, if music has got less value than an NFT, then I'm going to sell my music as an NFT. So we are reinventing the wheel. I We're saw cutting something. Out the, cutting out yeah. the middleman. I saw something along those lines. Just explain to me. So what is an NFT? Um, it's digital space. A non-refundable token or something. I mean, look, my wife, my wife uh, is super, super, uh, she's one of the few people. She's so into crypto. She knows this whole thing so well. So we are on Stacks, which is based on Bitcoin. The only one that is based on Bitcoin. So for us, it's a no-brainer to sell my art based on Bitcoin because Bitcoin is here to stay. That's the given. Um, so basically, I take my paintings and I rework them digitally. Then I, and I bring them all, almost to life, like um, moving parts in the paintings. Then. So I sell my original paintings. I sell my prints. Then I create these NFTs and I sell that. But then, and I've got great success on that. I've done four now. So uh, next Thursday, I'm putting out a new one. Now, uh, but then, I, but, but so with that, doing that, I just, I thought flip, or my wife came up with it, like flip, let's sell it as an NFT. And I tell you, um, you're just making, as an artist, you're suddenly making money out of your product again. And I think we, the, we, I know that Kings of Leon sold their album as an NFT for, and I think they got about 4 million 
dollars or something. I'm not sure. Um, but they're not. But they're a massive band. But so great on them. But I, I am not a massive artist. So what I'm saying is, this is a way for for us smaller guys to actually give put worth to our our creations again. And uh, cross fingers. I, now I'm going to do it. I've got recordings of the whole album that I, I've done live and videos. So I'm going to do it on the whole bloody album, and I'll make my money through NFTs enough money to record another album again that is outstanding plus guess what the video the guy who bought the video nobody else can see the video so if people want to see it they must go to his portal or whatever to watch the video so that gives you the guy who buys the video also extra power so company if they wanted people they to come to their site they, they can buy a video from an artist that's well known that is amazing, honor. Yeah, and I, but I still keep my royalties. Mm. If I want to sell the song for car ad or whatever, I still get that. The guy's got nothing to do with that. As a painter, uh, the all the publishing and stuff still stays with the artist. You might, but you're only buying the the digital footprint. Are you going to do that with the band as well? The Springbok Nichols, um I mean, I, I, dude, I'm so surprised that we took a chance on it mm. and it was Pandora's box because I would never think, oh, hang on, because we were saying, well, should we put out the video on YouTube? What should we do? I said, no, fuck it, actually. Why? Why give it to them? Let's try something different, man. Keep doing the same thing. Do something different. And it's uh, it's worked. So yeah let's see let's see where it all goes here's the thing it's all mm. super exciting it's the little light at the end of the tunnel we have been in a in a quite of a dark deep swimming pool as artists we don't know where we're going mm. new technology is coming nfts is an incredible new thing it's a pandora's box for art and uh, it's the, the the only bit of light at the at the end of the tunnel um and i and, and i see a way us coming through this and and taking back our power and giving worth back to our our creations. So this is all super positive. Mm. And uh, this might be an incredible blessing in disguise. What happened to the South African rock scene, Arno? It's technology. It's the way the world changes. Every 10 years, there's a changing of God, right? So in the 80s, my favorite movement was the Fulfrebewegung, the anti-apartheid, uh, Afrikaans beweging, um, their concerts were incredible. It was so uh, uh, colorful, it was, and it was a big one-up to the establishment, the conservative government, uh, way of thinking. I absolutely loved it because I hated it so much. Um, you know, that whole apartheid thing. Um, so, it was a beautifully rebellious and the way they were using the Afrikaans language was just fucking incredible, man. But then um, in 1990, I made school. 1993, the Springbok Noodles were going in 1994, Mandela came out and we, was on the, we were on the super up, the Springbok Noodles. Right time, right place. For the first time, our music wasn't banned worldwide, right? So 
we were making English music because we wanted to do make music like the music we were listening to. And that was like Sonic Youth, Nirvana, Pixies, whatever. So we wanted to be part of the world. And that's why, um, and well, that was fantastic. But then even then, Batranjeh was still doing Afrikaans. Remember, they were more influenced by Storchen and Neutbart and the German industrial bands. And using the Afrikaans as that language was also a very progressive. So 10 years on, a new generation comes, Fokov Perisikar. Now they're not doing political Afrikaans, they're doing punk Afrikaans in a way. So every 10 years, things change. So in the Barney Simon, that uh, explosion, essay explosion of music in the grunge era, um, things changed as well. Our relationship with radio changed. Radio, there was a co connection between the, 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 list, the, the country and the radio stations. And if the bands were doing awesome and the, the radio DJs loved the musicians, there was this whole thing and there was an organism growing together. That kind of ended with the whole thing. I don't know. I think it became impersonal with the DJ vibes, maybe a little bit. Um, maybe. I don't know. Um, but also... Uh, Technology, the thing is, I don't like music they play on radio, so what I do is I create my own playlists. It's a new world now. You can listen to Spotify or something, it will it will shoot out music that, that you like. And there's no ads, so you know what I'm saying. So the last uh, song that I could remember that the radio broke and, and changed a person's career close to us was Franz Schaffenkoek and Karin Zoid did that song and it was massive. Um, I don't know if radio has still got the power to do that for an artist. Mm. You know, I'm not sure. Things has changed a bit and it's got its pros and its cons. The fact is now you can make honest music and you don't have to like uh, try and make music to get onto radio if you get onto spotify's rather get it's better to get onto onto playlists than what it is to get on radio i remember in the, in the late 90s I, I went to visit my girlfriend and i had the the new springboard new girl single um i love you which i think is probably my favorite song from the band other than blue eyes <laughs> Um, uh, yes, and I, I, I just I love the guitar riff. But I remember I put the single down on the on the on the coffee table in the lounge, and her dad walked in, and he saw Springbok nude girls, and he asked us, "Is this is this pornography?" Ah! <laughs> did yes. you get that a lot? We so we, I remember this one time we did a sound check in the beginning days, the early days in summer somewhere in Neisner, Tin Roof Blues or something. And it was about three o'clock sound check, and there was on a Friday afternoon, and suddenly the place was just full of these middle-aged guys, kind of sweaty with this, with their glasses, sitting not in a group, maybe they're sitting individually, <laughs> staring up into the ether, or and those were actually days before cell phones, so it wasn't like uh, it was just like sitting there, maybe doing this on the top of your beer glass fucking weird and um and then we did a sound check by the end of the sound checks i checked up they were all gone so and they were coming because they thought <laughs> they were... <laughs> it was ladies where did the name come from man we had to come up with the name 
I went out on a party in Stellenbosch. I, I woke up a bit tipsy. My girlfriend went to work and she put on the radio. And I was like, sort of still like in between sleep and awake. And I remember the radio DJ saying, and tomorrow night, the Springbok Nichols will be appearing live at And I thought that's what I heard. So I quickly wrote it down because I realized, hey, that was a dream. But the radio was on. You know, your brain. So that night we had a meeting and I said, Springbok Nudgles. I think Francho said, but there's no girls in the band. And I said, exactly. It's brilliant. And then, but I think subconsciously it comes from that old Springbok hit parade albums. Yeah. And um, they always had these kind of, they, a lot of the times they had these semi-naked ladies on a car bonnet. Um, you know. I think it's got to do with that, maybe. Uh, but oh, we were we were woke in the nineties, okay. <laughs> now, what was interesting for me is, you would have thought that a name like that, plus that very very um, unique rock sound that the band had, it would have helped international success. That didn't happen. No, you see, um, what we found is. Okay, here's a fucking interesting story. The record company makes a deal with you, right? So, say Sony, so we were with Sony Music, so we thought, wow, this is global, great stuff. In fact, the contract says into infinity, or, you know. But the thing is, South Africa, uh, every country writes you for 80%. So now they, we go to the UK, we do shows there. And now we come back and we wonder, why is Sony UK not picking us up or America? The thing is, it's not worth it for them. Because they it takes millions to break an artist. Pink Floyd, it costs them millions to break them in America, right? Why is a record company going to go spend a million pounds on an artist if they have to give 80% of the money to the South African Sony? That's why there was no incentive to break a south african band ever overseas so it, it was good for you if you weren't with a record company actually like see there or somehow you know what i mean mm. um and what we besides that what we found musically south africa we listen to half british half american rock alternative for me i love alternative rock in um in the uk is very uk indie orientated not very much American rock. I mean, they might have done Nirvana and Pool Jam, but you know, but they're very, that the Brit pop thing. America's got the grunge, the more harder sound. So the, so we were, Springbok Nichols were in between. We had like a trumpet in a, gr in a grunge band. We were called girls when the whole world was very butch. So we were too British for the Americans and we were too American for the British. But I love that. It's the whole thing about, uh, being a successful band is being unique. People are going to remember that, not a thousand, you know. You know, mm -hmm. there was a couple of bands that all sounded the same. You know what I mean? And then you decided to do your own thing, which is where you did more of your art. Well, basically, the, the band, Springbok Nichols, kind of hit the ceiling. There was nowhere for us to go. We had to leave the country. We had an opportunity to move to America, but then... The bassist had a wife and a kid, and we just thought uh, that's, it's, it's not worth it. You know, um, 
we just had enough. There was some cracks we're starting to show, you know what I mean? All the partying and stuff. So we called it quits then. Um, and I went solo. But then five years later, the, we just, some of us in the band missed doing it again. So then we did a, we started again. We did an album, The Nude Girls, and then did another little thing. And then we, we did our last album, which came out a year ago or something. And we want a Sama, so that is fantastic. You know, we all say, oh, who gives a fuck? But the thing is, it's a great uh, sense of that you're doing something right for whatever that's worth. There is a couple of people who critically analyze it. And, um, you know, mu uh, music snobs are music snobs. So if they think it's all right, then fucking cool. When you mention the name Arno Carstens these days, everybody says, ah, the VW ad. Yes. I want to say thank you to Volkswagen for saving my, my career and David Kramer's career. <laughs> <laughs> did you write you that know, song can i tell you something i brought out that album friends of mine helped me to record it financially because record companies just disappeared mm. suddenly disappeared you couldn't get shit out of them then i recorded this album brought it out brought out another universe the single no radio stations wanted to play it nobody i thought so I really just don't know what's cracking anymore. And then a guy put the, the song on an ad and the ad came out and suddenly the radios, everybody was playing it. Yeah. So I'm joking, but thank you. <laughs> to but, but there's something sad about that, isn't there? The thing is, I always find and is you get music lovers djs that's music lovers and great and jeez man you, you know amazing and and i am one of them i mean i'm not a dj a radio dj or anything but i am the biggest fan of music and for that um that's amazing and i love that but um south african radio is not trendsetters we are followers we we adopt adapt uh, american music whatever uh, we kind of driven by the blandest of the bland to just not offend anything or it, it, it doesn't take any chances there is no breaking of artists we don't take care of our own arts and, and yet africa sits with the most incredible beats out there and it takes a guy like justin timberlake to take some of these African beats and turn them into amazing stuff. You, you listen to just, some of Justin Timberlake stuff and you won't even realize, but some, some of us do, that they are African beats made cool because you, you just, it doesn't sound like it. But our own guys are like, we're sitting with it, but we're not totally, Quieto was amazing. Um, house music is an African kind of thing and it's quite all right. It's not exciting. It's not like, that's cool for me. I don't know. I, just, mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoy the, the, the more extreme stuff like uh, Chemical Brothers, uh, you know, that prodigy beats, prodigy, mm -hmm. incredible uh, grooves and beats and stuff. And um, I just find the world is a little bit bland at the moment. But um, that is amazing because that means I'm already talking to people about let's create some, let's bring it back, but we give it a new spin, of course. But fuck, we got to bring back some groove and amazing beats. Yeah.
when you talk about being an artist, you truly are an artist. I mean, you're also a, a painter. A lot of people don't know that about you. Yes, so check out this. I'm busy with... This is my Christmas... My Christmas oh, wow. uh, project. Did you paint uh, that? Yeah, it's massive. Hello. Gee, wow. So it takes... Forever, That's oil. Is that oil or acrylic? Oil. Yeah, some wild stuff. I'm just trying different bright colors. I've got loads of paintings. My whole house is filled with it. I'm going to be doing an exhibition in Hermanus around March. And, um, but mostly I sell my paintings over Facebook and Instagram. And that's amazing as well, because I'm cutting out the galleries, because galleries take 40, 50%. So I'm all for technology, as you can hear, and cutting out and creating a new world. Tell me a little bit about how you got into art. Your, I mean, your art is beautiful, and it's all women. Oh, oh you know what? Uh, I, I've been doing a lot of women because um, I find the woman's <laughs> body is the most beautiful thing. And because <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, and, but besides that, I want to learn. For me, I'm only now I'm only really learning, and I'm learning constantly. I work with um, Lionel Smith, the uh, superstar artist here from South Africa, and he, he's been my mentor for a little bit and giving me tips and shit, and also Busy Bailey. So, and I just thought uh, I just go for female uh, bodies and stuff just to get the beautiful curves and just to to practice basically. Yeah. So it's it's really nothing sexual. It is. Mm. I feel like a doctor. How long have you been painting? Um, my whole life. In fact, I was going to study fine art, but then my parents said I should do graphic art because there's more money. And then I went to the army. After the army, I, I studied graphic art at Cape Tech, but I just wanted to party. So I, I failed. Then I um, did litho machine mining, which is printing, the physical printing of wine bottles and egg boxes and whatever. That was, I was a terrible printer. And uh, same as a waiter. I used to be a spur waiter. I was fucking terrible. But uh, I'm not good at real life. So, and then uh, we started the Springbok noodles, and suddenly the, the noodles were making more money than my printing job. So and then I did music, 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 and then I started painting again with a, with a hangover. And then eventually the, I just started painting more and more and more and more and more. About two years before COVID, I really went into overdrive. Every week I used to go to Lionel's place and we just paint, paint, paint. And then COVID came about that stage. I was ready to actually kind of, I had enough work to try uh, to start selling more. And that's all sort of, sort of um, saw me through um, COVID plus doing online shows, we were, which were quite, quite sad sometimes. Hermanus <laughs> is so beautiful. I, mm. It's there on, on the point where all the galleries is. So it's going to be fantastic. I'll probably, I'll probably do a show as well. What I do now is I do these shows where I do small art exhibitions, 20 paintings, and then I, um, I do a show, and a kind of an acoustic uh, three-piece show. So it's fantastic. You, you know, you, the people come earlier on, check out the paintings, and I do a show, and then by that time, I s send out a bottle of tequila in the audience, and then hopefully they get loose with their wallets.
<laughs> can, can I tell you a really funny story? So I also studied fine art. I studied at UCT, but I failed. I mean, who fails art? Well, hello, hi. You I know what? Art. We all do the same basics. Yes. That's, it's like in the army, you do basics. The color wheel. The color wheel needs to be so perfect. And you're mm. not allowed to see the brush strokes. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm a bit messy, so, you know. So listen to this, Arno. I was doing live uh, live sketching. You know where you have a, a model who stands in the middle and you, you stand around yeah. and you, you, you draw them on an easel. So there was this, this woman and she was standing naked and we had to choose which side of her we wanted to draw and everything. I'm not kidding, okay? Hand on the Bible. Her period started. Oh! Fuck. I think... Oh, goodness. That's so awkward. She ran. She ran, got her clothes, got dressed, and disappeared oh, like Speedy Gonzalez. Oh, Hienekito. Oh, shameless. Oh! I don't know if it's good to laugh or cry. <laughs> it was many years ago, so we can cool, laugh. I don't know what to do in this situation. <laughs> Arno, tell me a little bit about where you see music going in South Africa. Um, I We did a, a Johnny Clegg tribute the other day. Um, and flip, some of the bands there I've only seen on Pop Shop in the 80s. It was Elemental, it was void bright blue it was incredible to see these bands and then um it was a whole johnny clegg band it was the dancers it was everything it was jesse clay karen zoid zulani it was an incredible concert and what i thought there is what i saw was the true possibility of south africa and that is the johnny clegg dream what he created right that is the true the multicultural we all because we all enjoy parts of each other's cultures, uh, especially around the arts. So I, I was saying to Roddy Quinn, you know, I, th I wish this can be a yearly thing for us to see as a country what, it, what is possible and the beauty of it. So hopefully for that, I hope there becomes a, a, something starts brewing. We must use Johnny Clegg. He was incredible um, to... to, to to go on with that um, with that vision for South Africa and the music thing, because that is where our success will lie. Um, Yuma Sakila once said, in order to go to, to, to become global, you have to go inwards. And that is very true. You, we all, when we were younger, we wanted to sound like other bands. Yeah, that's great. And luckily we sounded original, even though I wanted to sound like Nick Cave or whatever. But the fact is that originality is what um, is what makes people listen to you. You must embrace your own culture and your own vibes, what you think is your culture, not what everybody else says your culture, but you know what I mean, what makes you special and stuff. Go inwards to go global and uh, hopefully, and we can see it in, in the house music, look at Black, Black Coffee doing incredible stuff by sticking to his guns. So that we just need to keep momentum and stuff like that uh, but we also need to work we need to bring back that thing where radio and the art work together we need a, a minister yeah. of arts yeah. and culture to actually do something that fucker hasn't done anything he's been there for how long utterly useless 
utterly useless. The amount of money that's been stolen from all these things that's supposed to help to answer culture is just ridiculous. You know, um, uh, in the 80s, Bernoldis um, Niemand, um, James Phillips, he said being a musician in South Africa is like strapping a, a piano to your back and climbing up a ladder and giving out 50 rand notes on your way up. <laughs> well, it's a bit more now than 50 rands. You know what I mean? Since the 80s, it's gone up a bit. But it, it is an uphill battle. But you know what? It is worth it because it makes uh, our standard in South Africa, our musicianship, and sometimes we've, we've, got, we've got a lot of stuff here that is better than most of the original stuff out there. And our musicians are world class. So we just need to, as a country, pull together. There needs to be a guy who says, okay, radio needs to work with the local artists more. Not the 90% bullshit that that other idiot came up with. There's ways of doing it for it to be functional. Barney Simon did it on his own in the 90s. There's ways. How did it go? Look, everybody, he's coming through the door. Brilliant. If it's too loud, you're too old. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, yo, it was such a good era, wasn't it? Yeah, we've had some cr uh, cr uh, good ones. There was uh, um, David Gresham on Springbok Radio when I was really, really uh, very young. And uh, it always stuck with me. There was a thing we used to say, keep your feet on the ground and reach for the stars. Wasn't that a... a, a you know where the name Afterlife Satisfaction comes from for the, my sec the second Springbok Nichols album? was from a, a, I think a Stuyvesant ad. Was yeah. For after action satisfaction, that's the one. And I missed those ads yeah. as well. Yeah, it was incredible little snacks, um, little tidbits. Only thing better than a Lexington is another Lexington. Yes. Yes. On a, do you have any songs that you hate playing and do you have any that you absolutely love playing? You must, you um, must when, we, when we were younger, we, 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 it was all about not being commercial and selling out. So there was a, a, a period that we used to go through that we didn't want to do bubblegum my boots. That was weird. Um, now we see it as total gifts. It's a gift. And, and also, you know, most songwriters will tell you that these songs happen to you. You don't happen to it. So um, it's a, like another universe and blue eyes and songs like that is uh, flipping. It's, 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 it's little miracles. So now, I mean, I enjoy. It is, it is a, a, um, doing the songs is something between you and the audience and the song. And that is what it's about. But um, I mean, there was a song called I am your friend. I am, I am your friend. There was a Springbok Nichols song. I, I hated doing that. We thought it was kind of corny, but that corny comes to bite you in the butt eventually. You know, so, but do, I don't know if you saw the um, Beastie Boys documentary. Yeah, I think I did. They, they started hating because they were making a corny mm. joke with that song. Uh, you gotta fight for your right to party. And they became a, almost a parody of themselves. You know, kind but they of. were very corny. They were kind of these nerdy, kind of nerdy, yeah, kind mm. of nerdy. But I flip and love their music. I tell you, I saw them at Pickle Pop with that intergalactic, intergalactic planetary. They were incredible, and they sabotage. Oh, sabotage! I tell you, you know what? The mm. keyboard player 
would stand on the one side, then he does a somersault over his keyboard, <laughs> lands on the other side, and goes on playing. And they've had these pocket, they've had these things in there on their belts where the lights follow them as they walk, and they just rap, and and then they do sabotage where they just blow most of the rock bands away. So absolutely fantastic. What do you make of this of this weird? Um Zeth era that's occurred. No, I, I, I loved it. And I remember every I think it's very colourful. It reminds me of the full Frabewegen. Mm. It's very, very colourful. It's it's you know, it's left of scene. So go, go, go for it. It was awesome. Good on, you know, that generation for harnessing it. Fuck dude, those guys are up they're so good with their merchandise. It's an absolute machine. I mean I think Jack Parrow is bigger in in, in Holland, the buddy is in South Africa. He's got his own festival. Sure. It's crazy. And I mean, it's not, I think it started with the Antwerp, eh? Uh, yeah. Look, the Antwerp, the thing is that Wadi guy is he's an incredible artist, and I respect him for that. And I love watching their videos, and I love some of their music. I really, really do. But um, things, but somehow also the shock, the whole shock shock and awe thing becomes boring you know where do you go from there um so i don't know but i i, I dig it I, i'm lucky um, that i think i've got more of a realistic look at it yeah you know i i, I know that songs that is joe that's jokey it's only jokey for so long uh, so long that you can listen to it yeah and i always try and make music to to, to uh, last i make the music um like the music that i listen to so you know what I mean? Uh, interesting, uh, thought-provoking lyrics sometimes. That's the stuff that I like. I quite like depressing music sometimes, but then I like kick-ass music as well. So I'm lucky in that way. Ono, what's next for Springboard New Girls? Um, is it going to continue uh, in its current form, or, or what do you see? So... Okay, we were talking the other day about doing a new album, uh, you know, um, but there's always little stumbling blocks. So we're dealing with a little situation now that we'll see what happens this week. But if it all goes well, then we'll be starting working. We'll probably be putting out a single soon. Singles every three months. That's what I see. That's what I did with my last album and it worked amazingly. Because if you put out an album now, it just disappears in two weeks. Put out a song every three weeks, every three months. Build momentum through your social media, and eventually you drop a whole album, three or four. So that is um, that's the that's the plan. And then, um, but I've also got. I'm busy with another thing where I might be doing five songs with Albert Frost, five songs with. With this other guy that is this amazing genius young dude and then five songs i maybe want to do with these other guys that's electronica and we want to do a kind of a more uh, chemical brothers old depeche mode kind of thing but in a new way and then i want to do five songs with afrikaans so that is maybe a good project instead of bringing one out one album what just showing the view that is stunning hold on wow that's amazing look at that it's so beautiful guys yeah. Uh, you're moving around between English and Afrikaans. Tell me a little bit about that dynamic. Okay. 
I always say this at shows. Like I, I did five shows with Celine Dion at the O2. Um, she, uh, besides her massive hits, it's most Eng mostly English, she also did these for the show, about four or five French-Canadian songs. And I personally like that. Incredible. I love it. It's beautiful. It's sexy. It's, uh, and you could see it's her language. So when I came back to South Africa, the record company made me offer to do in my first Afrikaans album. Because I am Afrikaans. <clears throat> so I thought, what would Celine Dion do? I know Barney Simon is turning in his grave. But anyway, <laughs> so I did this Afrikaans album. And, but you know what? <clears throat> I had to relearn the, the, or I had to rediscover. Because Afrikaans has got a, a bad rap. It's got a bad history in a certain way. If you like it or not, it does. Um, so I was listening to a lot of Historia uh, Neubart and a lot of German music, uh, Rammstein, a lot of Italian stuff, a lot of French music. So, uh, I was listening to it because I love it. And I was, uh, to, to, because you've got to imagine, why do you like it? You like it because there's a, a reality to it. Uh, there's a beauty to the, those languages. And then I would listen to this German awesome song, and then I will go write this Afrikaans song with that in mind. And so I, I started uh, enjoying and um, seeing a different side to Afrikaans, the, the beauty of uh, old, beautiful Afrikaans kind of thing, but doing it in my style. So um, it was a wonderful experience, and it's obviously very enriching. It's a different way of thinking. Uh, English is very melodic. You can literally start humming before you even got words in your head. Afrikaans, you can't work like that. Afrikaans, you got to write, and every word's got to make sense. So the audience is, is also different. The, in Afrikaans, they sing with every lyric. In English, not so much. We don't really care as long as it's fucking awesome. But then again, you get a band like Oasis, where the British sing with every word that they sing and also on one note you go like they, they always say that aces fans were soccer hooligans because they sing today's gonna be the day i'm gonna make it up to you it's always on one note <laughs> so yeah were you were you team oasis or team blur i think i was more team blur but i did love what's the story morning glory i used to wake up mm. in the in the um in stalemosh in the mornings and put that song on Full. You're standing on the battleground of the information war and you're looking out at the horizon. What do you see? I see the pendulum swinging backwards and I see the future of a new world order, but not as in the way that they see it. I see a lot of kinks and a lot of uprising, but then everything will mellow out eventually. And the thing is, we, we, I'm also seeing the, us, the humanity. Um, we're going to go so far away from being human that we will come back and we will absolutely love the thing of making a fire and growing your own stuff and um, the essence of being a human and your connection with Earth. That is going to happen. Honor Carstens, thank you for joining me in the trenches. 
Thank you for having me. Sorry for being late. I just heard my wife scream, so I think the dog probably shut on her feet. But so, but good stuff. It was a great chat, and I hope we uh, meet again somewhere in the trenches. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.